right. Hi, everyone. Today, we welcome on Brian Friend to the Hickory Podcast. He is a lead CrossFit analyst and journalist for the Bar Bend uh, website, and he's formerly covered and featured on the Morning Chalk Up. You can also find him on the Savan Podcast as a frequent and a whole host of different you know, CrossFit news outlets. Let's just jump right in, Brian. Um, it's good to see you. Can you give me a little breakdown of what is CrossFit and kind of a little history of what drew you to CrossFit? Yeah, uh, I think CrossFit, uh, depending on what your level of awareness or introduction to it, can take on a lot of different things for different people. Uh, originally, it was meant to be a, a more scientific uh, approach to defining health and fitness. And the derivative of that was uh, basically a lifestyle or a methodology for nutrition and exercise that would be sustainable over a lifetime. In more modern uh, times, it's evolved into many other things, including a sport. And there are certainly people whose first exposure to CrossFit is or was on ESPN or CBS or in the news as part of the, the sport as it's grown over the last 15 years since its origins in 2007. But if that's if that's your only exposure to CrossFit, then you are uh, missing the big picture and the original foundation of what this thing is all about. Absolutely, that's very interesting. And you know, to give a little preface to um, to our audience, you know, I met you at a CrossFit gym, uh, and I actually started doing CrossFit in more recent years when I moved out to California, and. Um, what you what you said is really interesting because I think there's this kind of dichotomy in the CrossFit world of you know kind of the more casual nature where you know the everyday user can can use this CrossFit formula to to get to stay healthy and then there's the CrossFit games. Am I am I correct in kind of this dichotomy and how do you balance that out in CrossFit when you're coaching and you're teaching people about CrossFit whether they're going to be a full on CrossFit game person or kind of the casual, less, less serious, uh, trying to stay fit, uh, lifestyle. Mostly I, I try to follow the model that CrossFit headquarters or HQ mm -hmm. has laid out, um, for the community to, to take hold of. And, and several years ago in 2018, there was a large feeling that there might be a split and we might see CrossFit health become its own thing. And the sport of CrossFit kind of diverge into a separate entity mm. <clears throat> over the years since then crossfit hq has made it pretty clear that they don't want that to happen and that they see these two things being supportive of each other and so the sport can drive people to the affiliates and the affiliates can drive people to the sport and that if there's a more well-rounded understanding in both realms about all of the different things that crossfit can potentially be for a community or an individual that every it's kind of like a rising tides lifts all ships that everyone can benefit from those things. So they didn't want the distinction uh, in terms of business. And therefore, when I talk to people about it in the gym or at competitions, I think that it's important personally to keep in mind, you know, both aspects of, of what CrossFit can be uh, to help shape a more complete conversation about, you know, whatever the topic is within the greater picture of CrossFit that we happen to be uh, conversing over. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Um, what exactly defines, I guess, CrossFit health then, you know, for our audience? The best story that I can tell you about the 
health when it comes to CrossFit is a story that's you know documented and cataloged by Greg Glassman, who's the founder of CrossFit. And you know, he had been practicing or refining this idea of CrossFit since the late 70s. And at some point he, he opened the first CrossFit gym in California and he had some pretty cool stories about clients early on. And one of the stories that he tells is that he had uh, people come in and they would sit down and they would have a conversation, you know, getting to know each other. And he'd ask them to write down five things that they'd like to improve in their life over the next year. But he didn't want to know what they were. And these things could run the full spectrum from uh, I want to lose weight to I want to improve my um my 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 blood pressure to I want to have a more healthy relationship with my kids or I want to get out of this job that I hate or my financial mm -hmm. situation is in crisis and didn't matter what it was he was confident that if you wrote down the five things any five things that you wanted to improve over a year and you were willing to listen to his advice about eating and come in and show up and work hard few times, four or five times a week, regularly over a year that we could pull that note card out 12 months later. And he, and he was sure that all five of those things would have taken a turn in the positive direction. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's interesting because it goes beyond just like that normal physical goals, you know, it's, it's these lifestyle goals and it encompasses more than just that physical fitness nature in my understanding. And the, the reason for that is because if you generally eat well and you generally move on a regular basis, uh, you're setting yourself up biologically to be more equipped to deal with the things that come our way in life that can be challenging. Yeah. And for anyone who's ever done a CrossFit workout, you know that it's hard. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's your first day or you've been doing it for 10 years. Yeah. It's hard relative to you, your experience. And when you put yourself in an environment willingly and voluntarily on a regular basis to do hard things, then when you find yourself in a situation in which you have to do something hard that you don't maybe want to do, you're more prepared to handle it. Oh, absolutely. That, then you have that mental strength too. It goes beyond that. That physical strength is that you know that you can push yourself even further in, in whatever regard it might be. Um, I think in another aspect for me in my personal experience with CrossFit um, as one of the more casual, you know, stay fit kind of um, uh, people in that world is the community. So I, you know, I was in California and um, I would go to 430 class every day and everybody was, you know, it was the same people every day, you know, hi, how are we doing? How's your job? How's your life? And you get to know people. And I think that that's obviously there's a lot of group class things in fitness but that was a big thing for me in the draw to CrossFit. Um, I don't know if you've seen the same thing, but I could go in 430, know people, know their lives. It's essentially like you go to hell with them and then you you, go, you get closer. You know, that bond comes um, comes closer. So um, that's another aspect that, you know, I wanted to highlight. And I'm, I'm not sure if you have a similar experience with that, too. Certainly, uh, you know. There's a there's another story of Glassman's going way back, and he he would say, you know, if you're in your, the garage rowing by yourself, and someone walks into the garage and just happens to look over your shore at the rower, I can guarantee you that the numbers are going to drop. Like you're going to start rowing a little faster. And he he liked to joke that it didn't matter if it was your wife or your friend or your dog. When there's someone else around, you're going to work a little harder. Yeah. And so, you know, and secondarily is is just the accountability. 
Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't show up for a day or two to that 430 class, there's going to be someone that reaches out and say, hey, Will, what's up, man? Missed you at the gym the last two days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. You know, it's like, you know, so in addition to the the shared suffering, which is obviously something that bonds humans together and always has in every, you know, aspect of life, mm -hmm. um, there's that uh, that little checks and balances of, you know, if I don't show up, I know I'm going to hear from these people. And if they don't show up, they're going to hear it from me, too. Yeah. And then, of course, just the ability to push a little bit harder. You know, like like we said, it's, it, you know, the workouts aren't easy. And when you're in the middle of, you know, a seven round workout and you're in round three and you realize you're not even halfway and you want to stop and you look <laughs> around and you see everyone else is also hurting or still working or fighting through and finding a way, yeah. you're more likely to do it as well. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Well, I want to kind of dive in a little bit into your background, uh, switch gears a little bit to kind of how you got into CrossFit, you know, how, what, what point in your life, where were you at? Um, and, and essentially how did, you know, I'm not sure about where you were at, but how did a consistent, you know, passion and consistent workout schedule kind of adjust and alter your life? Uh, if you have any, any thoughts on that? Sure. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I played sports my entire life and I, and all the way through college, I played soccer and coming out of that, you know, without even realizing it, suddenly I didn't have anything to do that was like an organized sport. <clears throat> so I took up running and I, you know, I tried to become good at running, which is a kind of a natural progression from soccer, I suppose. And then my life took a big turn and I had an opportunity to go and live and work in the Dominican Republic where that painting is from. Hey, I see it. <laughs> painting in the back. And, uh, and while I was there, um, some of my friends started doing CrossFit. Some of my friends from my uh, college soccer team and actually a few of those that I grew up with as well, but I didn't really know much about it. I ended up coming out of that experience in the Dominican Republic, uh, and trying to pursue a long-term and serious relationship with a woman. And that uh, ended very poorly for me, which happens. And I was pretty devastated, uh, heartbroken, depressed, you might say. And my friends were awesome. And they came by my place and they knocked my door and they dragged me out of the, off the couch and and to the gym and like, like literally off the couch into the gym. And, and, you know, the, there's a short saying in CrossFit that really captures the essence of it in a very simple way, which is off the couch and off the carbs. And I never have had such a big problem with carbs, but I was certainly spending too much time on the couch at that time of my life. And I was a terrible client. I was a, a huge nuisance to the coaches. The first couple of days I was resistant to being there. I thought, I just wasn't in a good place, but they were super patient with me. Um, and they let me come back and keep coming back. And my friends made sure I kept coming back. And uh, it was, you know, it's one of those things uh, where uh, without really realizing that was happening before long, I, it was the hour of the day I was looking forward to most because it was the hour of the day I was thinking about her least. Mm -hmm. And those things <laughs> take time. <laughs> But that was the thing that distracted me. And even though it was only an hour, it was an hour. And that felt so freeing. And so it was, you know, it wasn't the pursuit of elite fitness or the fact that I needed to lose weight. It was something that was not necessarily planned. And I'm really grateful that my friends gave me that opportunity. And then, you know, that was the seed that uh, ended up growing into what is now the center point of my life personally and professionally. That's, that's incredible. I think that, uh, I think a lot of people can relate to the idea of uh, heartbreak, uh, you know, heartbreak and uh, getting in the gym soon after there, or you using some way to, to get, a, to get by with that. 
So then I have a question of how, where did, or when did CrossFit transform from this release from this heartbreak or, or wherever you were in life to this ultimate passion, you know, and when, how did that nurture, how did that passion nurture over time and how did that grow? And when did you know that you were just fully in on CrossFit? Because you are essentially one of the, one of the biggest and uh, most popular CrossFit analysts in the world in, in an up and coming sport, but you are, you are kind of on the forefront of that. So where did that passion come from and how did you know that when it, when it arrived? I think it happened just kind of organically as a, as a, you know, it's kind of a steps in a staircase process over the last, I guess it's been nine years now. And, uh, but, but early on, in addition to enjoying going to the gym, I found out that CrossFit had become a sport. And one of the qualifying events to the CrossFit games was taking place in Chicago at Navy pier in 2014. And my buddies and I went down there and we watched, and I have always had this, like in my nature to make up games and contests and stuff like that. And so I, I, I followed the rest of the qualifiers and then we had the CrossFit games field for 2014. And I made a little game for our, my friends and I to play to help follow along. Uh, two years later, I was still doing that. And, and I decided I wanted to go to the CrossFit games. So I invited one of those guys I invited all of them, but one of them decided to go. My dad decided to go, which was really cool because I was able to share that with him at that point. And we went out to Carson, California and watched the 2016 CrossFit Games. So that week, we watched almost 100 hours of CrossFit. And we watched the Masters Divisions, the team competition, the teenagers, and of course, the elite individual men and women. And that's, I think that that was you know, a really important moment for me where I, I realized that I was you know, extremely passionate about this. I had been exploring a little bit, the methodology, some of the old CrossFit game stuff, a little bit of the original CrossFit journal articles and learning more, but coming out of that, I decided that I wanted to actually go to a level one seminar, which is, uh, you know, a critical com component of understanding CrossFit's methodology and origins, but also a huge part of their business model is to, you know, it's a very low barrier to enter. Anyone can sign up. It costs a thousand dollars. You go for a weekend and you get a pretty well rehearsed and very well delivered uh, introduction to the, to CrossFit. And anyone can go to that. You don't have to be doing CrossFit. You don't have to want to coach. It's mm -hmm. just a great place to learn. So I did that in 2017. I started coaching part-time shortly after that. I had been coaching actually. I've been teaching in high school and coaching um, cal uh, soccer and football, the kickers on the football team. And, uh, and then I started coaching a little bit in a gym part-time that eventually became full-time. And I have coached at a few different gyms. And along the way, at some point, I took a chance and reached out to the media director at CrossFit. And he liked what I had to say and gave me an opportunity to contribute to his podcast, which was the CrossFit podcast at the time. Uh, including and flying me out to California to be on their show. And I guess I didn't screw it up too badly because from there, they invited me to those same qualifiers that I first went to in 2014 in Navy Pier. And I went to one in Albany, New York, Del Mar, California, West Palm Beach, Florida in 2018. And we did podcasts from there. And, and it was the definition of trial by fire. The first podcast I ever did, we had uh, the second fittest man on earth at the time or the third fittest man maybe. The next one was the fittest woman on earth. 
And the one after that was her coach. <laughs> in California, we had on some legends of the sport. And then we had Dave Castro, who is the creator of the CrossFit Games. And there was no script. <laughs> there was no rehearsal. And I was completely dependent on the four years of learning that I had done my on my own. Yeah. And was uh, good enough, I guess. I knew enough to hold, to hold my own on that podcast. And that was the runway to everything that's come since then. Oh, absolutely. And that's such an exact point that I kind of wanted to get to, because I've heard, uh, you know, a similar story from you um, on a different podcast when before when I was prepping. And I feel like I followed a similar path that you did. We both kind of essentially found a passion and mine is in renewable energy and I'll explain it a little bit. But we both found a passion early on where we didn't necessarily know where it was going to take us, but we put part of our time and effort into it you know we didn't really necessarily have a career that was going to come out of it we didn't know what was going to happen but it was just a passion that we would you know kind of a hobby that we pursued and we learned about and you spent like you like you said four years of just following CrossFit making up games thinking about it and researching it doing doing the due diligence but just because you liked it and you were passionate about it and then over time it slowly develops into an opportunity where you can start to, you know, make a career out of it and, and base your life out of it. And I had a similar, um, similar kind of track as well, where, where once I had those opportunities pop up, I was already ready to hit the ground running, you know, where I had, I had done all of the, the background research and I know the industry better than, than the most people because I was so passionate about it previously. Um, without like a immediate reward and um, I, I, I'm I'm curious as to your thoughts on that idea but you know overall I think one quote that can encompass it is you know success is when um, preparation meets opportunity so these opportunities come in our lives at some point and we don't know when they are but um, our job is to be prepared when they do. And, and I think that that's kind of a model that we've both employed and gotten us to where we are today. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think I'll, I'll share a little story with you that you probably haven't been able to find on a podcast before. <laughs> before uh, any of that's the stuff that we've talked about so far, I had had uh, some difficulties with drugs and alcohol. And I had eventually been relegated to really one opportunity remaining, which was to go to rehab. And I went there and in a very similar fashion to when I first went to the CrossFit gym, I was a very unreasonable and unruly <laughs> disciple. <laughs> and uh, as maybe a week or so into my time there in the, the in-house uh, patient, uh, inpatient facility that I was at, and we were doing evening meditations as we did every night. And I was pretty frustrated. Yes, so I'm going to just meditate. And I didn't even know what meditating was at the time, really. And and what and all of a sudden, something completely unexpected happened, and I had a vision in my mind. And um, I still I still refer to it as as above the clouds. And the the vision was uh, a white floor of clouds with a blue sky and a black. The only thing I could describe it as is like a black moving walkway, like you might find a uh, flat escalator in the airport mm -hmm. that you could stand mm -hmm. on and carry you forward. Yeah. Except there were no railings. And I came out of this moment, and it was really was just a moment, realizing that there's a path there. And, the, and there may be several paths, I don't know, and that you can stay on the path if you want to. And 
perhaps if you do this, things like that will happen, but that you're not confined to the path and you're free to leave, but you don't know what's below the clouds. And it's a metaphor that I'm sure has a meaning for many different, uh, you know, many different things for, for many different people. But as you're talking about that, the preparation meeting opportunity, it's like every day in our life, there's an opportunity to make decisions. And when we make relatively good decisions consistently over time, we do set ourselves up for the opportunity to capitalize on potentially unexpected opportunities that come our way. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think we all appreciate you you sharing that story with us because it is truly inspirational. You know, I mean, uh, life is uh, is a lot of ups and flows. It's ups and downs. And it's it's how we pick ourselves up, you know, and 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 I think that that's inspiring to our audience is because, you know, whether it's with uh, struggles in, in different worlds, there's always that that release and how to get pick yourself up. And I think that you are a true, you know, model of that because look at you now, you know, you're killing it. You're absolutely killing it. So I want to switch a little bit, you know, and I break a little bit from CrossFit. Actually, I'm going to have one last CrossFit question and then I'm going to kind of dive a little bit deeper into, uh, you know, the hickory side of things and, and the health and, and, and from there. Last question for CrossFit, who is the GOAT? <laughs> oh man uh, well if people who know crossfit know that this is a hotly debated uh conversation <clears throat> there's only three possible answers they are rich froning matt fraser and tia claire Toomey. tia claire Toomey is without a doubt the greatest female crossfitter that's ever lived and the record she's setting right now will be very difficult for anyone to to chase down uh, matt fraser i believe was the most dominant crossfit athlete during the time that he competed <clears throat> and I could talk about that for hours, but I will always say that, that Rich Froning is the greatest of all time. He's the one that made it possible what Matt and Tia did. He's really, you know, in the way that Michael Jordan redefined earning potential for basketball players and Tiger Woods redefined what was possible for a professional golfer. And we see now so many people in those realms that you want to compare what they do on the court or on the golf course or on the field of competition at CrossFit. Someone has to has to lay the the framework, the groundwork, and yeah. uh, and create the the potential opportunity for the future generations. Not only did Rich do that as an individual, he continued to compete in the team competition. Has now accumulated ten career championships, and in my opinion, is uh, the biggest inspiration for the growth of the sport. He also has, uh, I think, critically been an affiliate owner for over ten years and helped to create and foster an incredible environment uh, in Crookville, Tennessee, for his community. And I think the summation of all those things makes it a pretty easy to say that as mm -hmm. far as an all-around contributor to the sport and and uh, across the community, Rich Froning is the best that there ever was. I love that. It's almost like he's the godfather. Could you say? Sure. <laughs> sure. sure. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, well, that was a good little clip that, you know, we can just make controversial statements about the CrossFit go, you know, and put it out there. But um, yeah, let's hey, shift a little bit. Hey, well, I got a question here. Yeah. Because, because, um, hey, Brian, I'm Sharon. Nice to meet you. Hi, Sharon. Um, a very dear friend of mine has a son who uh, had addiction issues and uh, committed, tried to commit suicide many times, and then he got into he got involved in CrossFit, and when he became, um, I don't know feeling better about himself and doing amazing stuff 
his father brought, came in and also did CrossFit. So he was able to handle his addiction issues and his father joined in. They reunited as a family, you know, with a positive, really incredible future together. And they're doing this to this day. They're doing CrossFit to this day. I think CrossFit saved his life. So... I believe so too, you know, based on the little bit that I know, thank you for sharing that. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's like that note card, you know, the five things on his list, were not going to be to, uh, have bulging muscles and uh, run a five, five minute mile. You know, there were way Mm -hmm. more important things, life, life related things that have certainly improved for him and his family since having that opportunity. Um, and there are stories like that and, uh, every one of the 10,000 plus global affiliates right now. And those are like that, that's the danger of the sport is that if, if you only see the sport, you don't necessarily have the awareness of those things. And that's why I've made it a priority, despite, as Will has mentioned, having increased opportunity within the sport to travel and, and work to help bring the sport forward that I still, uh, love working at, at the gym and I work at the, the CrossFit gym here in Highwood, Illinois, and that's my full-time job. And it's my, my top priority because I think that the potential to impact uh, change there is more, more powerful than anywhere else. I just want to say, um, yeah, um, both Will and I work out at that gym and um, that's how we got to know you. And there is such a sense of community there, uh, which Will alluded to earlier, that everyone supports each other. And um, I do think that's a big factor, for example, in the friend that you know, Sharon, that um, it's not just the working out and being tough, like you mentioned earlier. It's that community, that feeling like you belong to something. I think that is so somewhat unique, I think, to CrossFit. Now, there may be other classes that people take, like yoga and stuff, that they do feel that, but I definitely see it even more so in the CrossFit gym. And I would assume you guys agree. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. I'm sure Brian does too, I think. Um, So, you know, I just want to kind of switch bases a little bit talk about you Brian and you know as as, since we you know as a friend of yours um I and listening to the podcast and getting to know you I understand that a lot of your life kind of revolves around helping others and 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 following others you know uh, analyzing CrossFit athletes coaching at the local gym um helping others get getting the word of CrossFit out do you feel that this is this is kind of how you fulfill yourself or if this is something that you actively pursue um and and if so why why do you think that is that you know you you are such a natural born leader in helping others and and guiding others um and and why that is I have sp- I have spent some time uh, reflecting on this especially in the past year or so, as my name has become more well-known and I've been more present on more public platforms, I think it's incredibly important personally for me to not lose sight of where I came from and the people that made that those things possible. Uh, you know, you see it happen all the time where, you know, 
the power goes to someone's head or prestige or fame or substitute any of these words. And I actually feel like I'm in a really pretty cool dynamic right now of balance where I feel just as fulfilled and inspired and continuing to learn from variety of people in the in the areas that I spend most of my time as I have the opportunity to give those things back yeah and and you know a, being a coach at a CrossFit gym over a long period of time is kind of a unique situation to be in I mean most of the people come most days of the week and they get they develop a certain level of comfortability with with you as their coach they may open up to you about certain things. They may tell you things that you don't want to hear <laughs> at times <laughs> and certainly some personal stuff and some really cool life accomplishments. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's easy to look at the coach as someone who is, who is a leader and who is uh, a dependable part of the community and someone that you can confide in. What I don't think that people necessarily always realize is how motivating those people are for me. And that, you know, I, uh, Sorry, I'm getting a little emotional, actually, because I've seen uh, some of them start there and know what they could or couldn't do or never thought they'd be able to do. And then to see them realize some of those things. Um, I've seen them go through really difficult times and come out the other side of it um, and say things like, I don't know if I could have done that, if not for what we do here. Yeah. And actually, I made a post about this recently, and it's something I can never really relate to personally, but I think it's amongst the most powerful things I've ever seen is uh, pregnant women continue to train through their pregnancy yeah, and then come out of the other side. And, you know, they need to take a little bit of time, a, a week to a month off, depending on how the, the birthing went. Um, but they come back stronger than ever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think that there's a, a lot of people who don't know, you know, know what to do when you're pregnant and you think so many things have to change in your life, but they don't have to change that much. You just have to uh, adapt and find a way and be resilient. Absolutely. Yeah. I think from the um, physician point of view, you don't want to take on a new physical activity, but you can maintain what you we're used to doing, like you say, with modifications. So um, yeah, you don't have to stop when you're pregnant. And uh, obviously the women in the gym know that because they keep going. They do. Uh, You know, just based off of that reaction, I mean, obviously we can tell that, you know, your life is is, uh, very focused around helping others. You know, you just got emotional just even thinking about the progress that you've helped others uh, achieve. And that's just super inspiring. You know, have you noticed that from a young age or is this something kind of you developed recently where it's like, you know, you find a lot of fulfillment out of 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 creating these games, for example. I remember uh, a couple of years ago, I had read all the Harry Potter's books again and you came up to me and you said, uh, I got a game for you. You wrote seven questions down. You gave me a Harry Potter quiz just while I was working out and uh Luckily, I think I got six out of seven or something like that. You were you're impressed. But I mean, these are things that you do all the time. And and I'm curious, you know, was this something that, you know, you knew from an early age you you enjoy and you take satisfaction out of helping others and seeing them progress? Or is this something that, you know, you've kind of come to uh, terms with over the more recent years? Uh, in, in processing that question, I'm reminded of a uh more of a story. I have vague memories of this, but it's more something my parents told me was uh, when I was in kindergarten, there was a student in our class. It was a fairly small class, maybe 20 to 25 students. And uh, one of the students was uh, 
I'm not sure what the technical term is now, but he was a special needs student. Mm -hmm. But he was integrated into the class at the time. And this is obviously many years ago. And you know, the di the dynamic of that in schools now has evolved and changed quite a bit. But he was in the class with us and he was at times very problematic, you know, throwing blocks at the other kids, throwing tantrums, yelling and screaming, and you know, not not necessarily in control of all his, his behaviors. Not only have my parents told me about this, but the kindergarten teacher actually wrote me a letter when she retired, I think, and talked about how I was uh, the only one in the class that could handle this guy, <laughs> that could deal with him. Um, and awesome. uh, I don't, like I said, I don't have a ton of memories about it. But yeah. when I think back to hearing something about that from a young age, it makes me think two things. And one is that maybe, yes, maybe I was. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, given a, a gift to empathize with people who may be difficult for others to um, to relate to. But I also, the memories I do have of him was, uh, are, are, I feel the same way that I do about uh, the people that I work with now, which is they give to me just as much as I give to them. And I saw his struggle and um, it, it, you know, it motivated me in times of struggle as well. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a warms my heart to hear that too i love that um so you know on this podcast the hercule podcast we uh we have this thing called the triple h and that is a breakdown of of what keeps these amazing individuals such as yourself that we are interviewing hopeful what keeps them healthy and what keeps them healing um and i want to ask you each individually you know um we'll start with the healing portion because i know i've seen you many times with uh with the you know the massage gun and the the wraps and the the shoulder brace and the ice so um maybe not even just the physical healing um but how do you kind of restore those batteries recharge um and and both the physical sense and the mental sense and the spiritual sense and and gets you ready for you know the next next moment how do you how do you recover that's actually a um a pretty good uh, analogy to talk about some of the mas massage guns and the body therapy there because that's an ongoing process you know i i've been working out five six days a week consistently for nine years and the body goes through some tough things and one of the only ways that i've been able to manage that is to have small amounts of consistent body work, sometimes a lot of times self-administered on a regular basis over time. And I, and I will lean into a principle from the 12 steps of Alco Alcoholics Anonymous here to make this analogy, but um, they, you know, they have, a, it's a similar concept when it comes to you know, emotional healing uh, that, the, that we need as humans. You know, we all have, uh, challenges that we go through in our life and a lot of them are scarring and a lot of them are heavy and a lot of them are difficult to deal with and I have found that uh, it's far easier and more sustainable for me to do that consistently over time than to try to do like the, the, the blunt force trauma all at once so and instead of going to see uh, you know a chiropractor that's very going to do some very intense work in my body once every six months I do the little stuff every day. And I have found the same thing to be helpful in the emotional um, therapy, self-therapy or regulation over time is that, you know, it's just a little check-in at, at, at night, basically, of, you know, what were the, you know, were there things today 
that uh, that I need to have a healing process with? And then if so, can I, you know, is it possible for me to address them now within myself or uh, or otherwise? Or is it something that maybe I should consider reaching out to someone about tomorrow? Yeah. I think in general, holding on to things like that, even if they might seem silly, I can't tell you the number of times I've called someone and said, hey, I know that this may or may not be a big deal to you, but it is to me. And I've been thinking about this and I just would like to, to tell you, I'm sorry, or, you know, I really appreciated this thing that you did for me or whatever the conversation is. Sometimes we can't have those conversations, but even the acknowledgement of it to yourself, or maybe if you have a, a higher power that you believe in, again, to borrow a term from, from AA, that you can, you can communicate those things audibly and it can be pretty healing in the moment. And I think that the, the small work over, over time Sometimes you have to do the big work up front yeah, <laughs> to yeah, account yeah. for maybe years or decades of neglect. Yeah. But having done that, if you can do it consistently over time, I think that it, it will create an opportunity for the the emotional body uh, to respond much, very much like the physical body is, which is to develop the, you know, a resiliency uh, as you do it more regularly. Yeah, I think that consistency is one of the big things that has changed my life, you know, and whatever it might be, you know, it might be for healing, for recovery, it might be even just, it goes alongside just working out, you know, and, and the consistent nature of it. it, it's, you don't have to go incredibly hard in whatever you're doing right now in the present tense, it's, it's about this building this consistent nature and habits that really has like transformed uh, you know, my outlook on life and the ability. And that also even kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier with, for years, we were consistently um, nurturing our passions without any reward, you know, and it was just a consistent little bit each day. And that's what brought us to here today. So I think that, you know, if the audience wants to take anything home today, it's it's consistency is 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 such a, a valuable portion of our life while while we're living it. For sure. Um, so I'll move on to health. So this is kind of more like the present tense. How do you stay rather than recover in the in the current moment, you know, a stay healthy, um, keep a good mindset, you know, and 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 keep moving forward. Just a little bit of vitamin D every morning. it's uh i think it's a big component of that is is self-awareness now health can take on many things to many different people but i mean i think for the most part uh you know people are hopeful that they can wake up in the morning with a decent amount of energy to accomplish the tasks that they need to during the day and then hopefully also do some things that they want to every day and those can be individual things with your family with your friends at work and so over the, you know, I would say I've become much more conscious of this in the past decade, but I've just tried to put things in place in my life that make the things that make the biggest impact for me easier to attain. So I know how much sleep that I need mm -hmm. to function well the next day. And I know that if I don't get it, that I'm going to pay for it a little bit. And mm -hmm. sometimes I don't get it, but I know I understand why I'm not feeling well. Same yeah. things with simple things like drinking water or eating real food as opposed to processed food or, you know, addressing uh, stressful situations and relationships when I can, instead of letting them linger and grow and harbor in bitterness, mm -hmm. um, exercising consistently. Uh, and, uh, and I think also a big challenge, probably the biggest challenge for me now is, is trying to always maintain a, a balance between uh, work and play. 
and just making sure that I do allow a little bit of time over the, you know, it might not be every day, but over the course of, of every week to set aside some time for myself and play can look so different to so many different people, but um, that's just an opportunity for me to do something that I love and want to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Not, you know, and I, I, I try to leave time for that even when things get pretty busy. Yeah. And, you know, I would be remiss if I, you know, did an, a Hickory podcast episode without talking about our relationship with nature. And, you know, as a friend of yours, I know that you are an avid uh, Frisbee golf player and, you know, connoisseur. Um, explain to me a little bit about, you know, your relationship with nature, um, if that helps you keep healthy and and slash or um, your relationship with Frisbee golf. I think that obviously Frisbee golf is in nature. So I could couple that question together. I would say in general that I've been, I haven't done the greatest job of being consistent in my exposure to nature over, over my life. I've, that is one that I've kind of taken big doses. And I think a lot of people do that, you know, they'll, they'll take one, make sure that I have one trip a year that I get out yeah. uh, away from uh, technology yeah. for five days or whatever. The um, escape, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then, the, and then personally, in my case, it's been more like uh every couple of years for a month at a time. Like I'll take these big trips, wow. these long road trips, these big campaign excursions or, or go to a new part of the world and kind of get out there. So I've certainly had some experience in nature. Disc mm-hmm. golf is something that I picked up during the pandemic when there was not a lot of things to do. And this is a very, uh, what I call it, like the most COVID friendly sport or activity that there was. <laughs> you're outside, you don't have to be close to anyone. Everyone has their own equipment. So you don't have to share anything. And um and, it, you know, a lot of people picked up this pastime, I, uh, including me, and and I love it because it does allow me a consistent opportunity to get outside. And I have a weird schedule where I often have, you know, one to three hours free in the middle of the afternoon where everyone else is working. And that's something that I try to do when I can is just go out and walk around in the park and throw the Frisbee um, for an hour or so a few times a week. And it's always serves as a great reset for me obviously there's a million different ways that you can get, get into nature. But if, you know, I feel very blessed to have found one that I like to do and uh, you know, for this period of my life and I would encourage a, a people to find those if they don't have them. And it can be so simple. It can be going for a walk or walking your dog or, yeah. um, you know, going and sitting on a swing in the park and it can be very meditative and reflective and refreshing. If you can just uh, create even 15 or 30 minutes, a couple of times a week to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great answer. I, I know that you've asked me a couple of times to to come play with you and I haven't gotten out yet, but I, I promise, um, you know, maybe when I get back from Australia, we'll, we'll get it. We'll make it happen. Hey, well, can I ask a stupid question? Yeah, what's up? I'm like the normal person. Um, and all of my people that are friends of mine that do CrossFit, they're so buff, right? They look so amazing. Including huh. Anne. Yeah. And and it's like like it's intimidating because I haven't I have not done CrossFit. Every time I um stop by the CrossFit uh, gymnasium where it is in Park City, you know, all these buff women come out and you know and I just feel like is it too late for me to start? And I think that that's not unusual for people like me where we look at all these buff people come out and go ah we love CrossFit and they look freaking amazing and I'm like how can I jump in now can I really get in now 
And I think that's a challenge for some of us. A little bit older people like me. Well, it doesn't have to be um, old even. There's a, there's a tons of demographics of people that can uh, feel that way about CrossFit. And, I, and like I alluded to earlier, the sport can sometimes have that potentially negative effect where it's like, man, that's really fun to watch and impressive, but I can never be like those people. And you can certainly have that experience at a local gym too, because you are completely right, Sharon. There are some incredibly impressive physical transformations that take place in a CrossFit gym. But there are also a lot of them that uh, that are just normal, everyday people. In fact, the majority of us are. And there's uh, my opinion, and I think pretty much everyone who's uh, working in the CrossFit space would would agree, is that there's uh, no there's no exception so for someone who can come to a CrossFit gym. There is a possibility that you could have a coach that doesn't understand that. And that would be disappointing, but I think that that's few and far between. I've been to well over a hundred gyms and I've only have uh, had one negative experience in a CrossFit gym. And, uh, you know, oh, when I think about that time, I just think, well, maybe that guy was having a bad day because yeah. it was such an outlier compared to everything else. But it is equally, if not more exciting for me when someone comes in uh, with that kind of a mindset of, I don't know if I can do this because mm -hmm. fill in the blank because I know that they can, all it takes is a little bit of trust and then the willingness to show up. I always tell people this, and I especially encourage coaches to never lose sight of this, that the most difficult part about any workout is showing up. Yep. And once you get there, I can guarantee you that you'll do something that's, that's productive and you'll leave feeling better than when you came. Good. See you in Park City next week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love that personal experience, you know, a, a whole variety of demographics were in my 430 class. And, um, you know, we can, the thing about CrossFit is you can also scale back uh, according to kind of what's comfortable with you. And as long as you have a good relationship with your coach and, and you kind of figure out that, uh, that equilibrium, I found a good one for me, you know, that was, you know, um, where I wanted to be and see myself progress. And, it, it, you know, it was, it was all flying colors from there. I, I, I really, 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 really enjoyed my, my experience. Shout out Wyatt Woods, shout out uh, CrossFit Pacific Coast. Um, loved my time there and hope to be back soon. So then let's finish off the Triple H. Hope, what motivates you? Where do you want to be? What keeps you going? Um, obviously we talked a little bit about how you love helping other people. Is that what gets you out of bed every morning? Uh, and, and I want to hear it from you, Brian. <laughs> well, I'm going to be authentic here and I, and I suspect maybe a little bit, uh, unorthodox, but maybe not. I don't, um, spend too much time thinking about the future. I had in my, in the, my past periods of time where I did that quite frequently, uh, and then I had a, a, a job, um, this was between finishing college and going to the Dominican Republic, where I worked for a guy, and I worked for him for about five months as his personal assistant, and I learned like what feels like 10 years of information that I'm not sure I ever wanted to know, mostly about the major crises in the world. <laughs> yeah. During that time, I, you know, <laughs> there were moments where I would walk into a grocery store and I would walk around the entire store and justify buying nothing because I knew that everything in that store at some level was problematic. 
whether the way that it was grown, the country that it came from and how they treat their citizens, the, right. the, you know, the chemicals that may have been sprayed on it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And that was not going to work so well because then I don't, I mean, the only option, if you're, if you're actually going to uh, pay attention, if you have that knowledge and know your only option is to probably move to the Southern hemisphere and buy enough land to make your own food and get well water. Otherwise you're ingesting poison, everything you buy from the store more or less, but our bodies are made to, to last. Anyway, that's a little bit of a, tangent. The point is I decided back then that I wasn't going to I wasn't going to uh, try to solve macro level problems in the world. but instead I was going to do so on a micro level mm -hmm. and that by doing so on a micro level, meaning in my communities, in my relationships, in my day-to-day -day practice, there were certain things that I would strive to be or do or communicate consistently over time, and that if enough people did those within their small little environments, that that can make a big difference. And for me, that was a lot more manageable than trying to solve the big problems. I'm aware of the big problems in the world, but I feel that I'm more um, productive if I if I address them in a in a micro level setting. And so when that comes to to hope, my hope is that doing. Uh, Doing things like working hard and being kind, which as simple as they sound, can go a long way regularly over time, yeah. adds up to, to quite a lot. And it's, um, I guess that's my mentality when it comes to future things. God, that was that was awesome. I That opened a lot of can of worms in my head. Uh, first, I want to talk about your little tangent. I think that as a younger a part of the younger generation, like we have so much access to this knowledge where we know all the problems and all the problems are laid out in front of us and we can we can understand them all and we have access to them. And that's kind of overwhelming at times. We can we understand all the macro issues. We have access to it. And like you said, you go to a supermarket every you can make you can make a argument that everything in there is like not good for you or 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 I, I have to go with this one or I have to go with that one and it's so much decision making uh knowledge uh, information that is just overwhelming it's like how how do we make a simple decision as what am I having for dinner you know nowadays that that even that decision is such a we understand it on such a macro level now like we understand oh this food is from that from this country that is going through that civil war that has going through that regime change it goes so big now because we have access to the internet and the information and i think that that has an effect and i don't know what it is but it, it has an effect on our generation because because the, even these smallest little decisions we can trace it back into that macro environment i'm not sure if you agree with that but that's my tangent response to your tangent uh but i can get back to the to the main point here um but yeah i don't know what you think about that you're definitely uh you know i think we're on the same page it's the yeah. uh, access and ease at which information travels and then we have such an abundance uh of that information that trying to know what the best thing to do with it is can be really challenging which yeah. is why my my general perspective is to keep it simple, uh, keep it close, um, and really just hone in on trying to be what I understand as a, a most positive contributor to my small community yeah. and group of people uh, day in and day out. And, and to do that well means taking care of myself. 
so that I do get that sleep, that I do eat relatively well, that I do drink enough water, that I do exercise. And um, if I don't do those things, then I'm not going to be as good of a a contributor or a servant or a leader or whatever role I'm, I'm asked to be in a given day. Absolutely. I think that there is, um, I saw this post one time. It was like, um, this guy left, left a Starbucks coffee shop and he, he looked up, you know, someone told him, Oh, that's actually bad for your eyesight. So he looked up studies that show or like can coffee cause blindness and it says studies show that coffee can lead help to lead to eye de- degeneration and, and blindness. And then he said, and then he looked up, can coffee help your eyesight? And it says studies show that, you know, two cups a day helps your eyesight. So it's like, even all with all this information, we still can't even make the right decision. So I mean, either it's a catch 22, 22. But to get back to the main point and what you were just talking about, I, 100%, you know, it's, it's, we understand these macro levels, but we kind of have to, you have to break it down to a micro level that is, is, you can make an impact on it on an everyday life, you know, and, and you don't have to make these such grand ideas come to fruition immediately. And the actually the most efficient and best way, in my opinion, and seems like from you as well, is actually to start small, you know, start small, start local, start micro, and slowly over time, that will change the macro. And I've had a similar path within renewable energy. You know, my mom is an environmentalist and I grew up an environmentalist. And essentially, I was like, all right, when I was 16, 15, how do I solve climate change? And so as macro as possible. And then, you know, I studied it, I went to school, I learned everything, and then I broke it down. Okay, um, 60% of carbon emissions are from transportation and from the electricity sector. Okay, so we need to do renewable energy and we need to transform to EVs. Obviously, I understand there's there's emissions that go along with that. It's not a perfect solution, but regardless. So break it down from there. I need to help transform the renewable energy sector and I need to help transform to electric vehicles. All right, so then break it down from there. What company is helping doing that? How do I fit in? What what degree do I fit in? Where do I fit in? And then it breaks down to all right, in project base, daily base, connections, networking. And you can kind of break that macro down into a micro, which makes it manageable. And I think that that is what kind of keeps me sane rather than this grandeur, oh, I want to solve climate change idea is, is breaking it down to the micro. And I think that that's kind of, we're on the same wavelength there as well. Yeah. And I mean, at the, at the very base of the, or the, or the, if the farther you trace that down, it comes to just you. And then what are you doing and are they, are your decisions, are the car that you're driving, are the way that you're living, supporting the bigger visions that you have for those things. And I apply that in the coaching environment. And when I was coaching high school soccer teams, I made sure that those guys knew that I was willing to work hard also. And then if they saw me working hard, then they would, you know, they knew the expectation was that they would work hard. I wouldn't play with them every day. I wouldn't work out with them every day, but once in a while I would. Mm-hmm. And then they would say, oh, coach friend is doing that. We can do that. And even when he's not doing that, we can adopt that mentality of hard work. And it doesn't matter what the field is. If you're, if you're invested in it, if you're giving all of yourself to it, when you're, you know, during the time that you're doing that task, then that has an impact on the people who are observing you in your line of work. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a great quote. How do we do this? It's just you. It's just you. 
Um, so I just have one last question, you know, and then I can pass it off to uh, my mom and Sharon if they have anything. But, um, you know, it's a very simple, easy question, not going to be hard to answer. What advice do you have for young people? <laughs> well, I don't know that it's necessarily limited to, limited to young people. You know, I uh, have seen many, many people redefine their lives in terms of relationships or work or purpose at all ages of life. And I don't think that it matters uh, where you are. I think that it's uh, it's a good practice to do some amount of self-reflection on a regular basis and ask yourself, does this thing, whether it's your relationship uh, with your family, with your lover, with your work, uh, with your hobbies, is this thing meeting the, the criteria that I want? Is it um, providing for my family if it's your job? Is it bringing me joy if it's a relationship? Is it challenging me if it's a hobby? You know, And, and if you, you know, everyone's going to have something that they want. They want to be happy. Are these things making you happy? Um, they want to grow. Are these providing opportunities for me to grow or am I staying stagnant in my life? So I think that the, regardless of who you are or what you're doing or where you are in your life, if you can identify a couple things that you'd like to be, again, big picture, happy, productive, and a contributor to society, those may be your three things, then just take a look and see which of the things that I do regularly are helping me get closer to those and which ones are keeping me further away from those. And if, if, uh, if you do those two steps, I think that you'll find out real quick which are the things you want to keep in your life, which are the things that you might be better off eliminating. The process of eliminating those things can be challenging and can take different amounts of time. And then from there, you can see if there's things that maybe you want to substitute in uh, to help you move in the direction that you want to move in. I love that. That was a great, great, great answer. I appreciate that. I'm going to pass it off now to to mom but thank you brian i really do appreciate your time spending with me and uh answering my questions and i think it was very very inspiring for our audience Thanks. oh very much so very much so i think we could continue talking to you for a long time but i know we need to wrap it up first i just want to mention you and i have a unique connection i think you know it we share the same birthday you're like the only person i know um, of course, I was born a few years <laughs> for you, but, um, you know, it's cool. But I do wonder if you're aware in the gym, you kind of have this aura that exudes sort of this calm, friendly, kind persona, but with a laser intense focus. And I think that's a unique combination, but you just exude this. And are you aware of this? And do you, do you? Do anything to keep it going. Actually, I think I have the answer to that from the talk today that you do self-reflect and do it. But you you really do have this inspirational kind of aura around you that I think keeps all the people going and motivates them. I might say that that I can attribute that to two two things. Um, I think that oh, what you know maybe I'll, <laughs> one of the things is that I you know I. I'm not the owner of the gym and therefore I'm, you know, I'm not involved in the business and the finance side of things. And I think that that creates a level of approachability. That's no matter what the, what the personalities are of the owners, that there might always be a little bit of a disconnect there. And I think that it's been nice for us as a, as a, a group of employers or employees at the gym that I've been able to step into that role a little bit. 
I think on the, um, I think, I, well, on the other side of that is that I just care that I, you know, and I, I don't know how to um, make somebody care about what they do. But when I go there every day, I, I am conscious of some of the things that I s mentioned earlier, which is the, the people coming there have a lot going on in their life and they're making a decision to come and that the, the hardest part, uh, even the best people in the gym that, that you think show up every day and there's no chance that they're not, they have plenty of other things they could be doing instead of coming there. And they're deciding to come. And I feel like it would be unfair to them to give uh, any less than my best. And there are days that I'm extremely tired, run down, beat up, not feeling great. Um, but I don't even necessarily try to hide those things. You know, I think it's okay for them to see the human side of the, the coach too. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I'm still, I'm not going to give what I have that day to try to make that time that they're there meaningful for them. So they want to come back the next day or the next time that they were planning to, because in the long run, I know that if they show up consistently, that they're, they're not, not just their fitness, but that their life will continue to, to either be good or, or improve in many ways because of that choice. Amazing. That's all I got. <laughs> I mean, I could go on forever, but, uh, but, oh, it's been so wonderful. I don't know, Sharon, do you have any questions? No, I interrupted all the, throughout this whole interview. I already asked all my questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, thank you so much because you can motivate people that you heard about me being timid about going to try CrossFit because all my friends are so fit. You know, I feel like I'm, you know, I, I do yoga and meditation and running and hiking and all this stuff, but CrossFit's different. And so it's intimidating to me to start, you know, it's, so it's scary. I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one out there. It's scary for me to just like walk in and, and initiate my own program. Um, so if, if there's anything that you could say to people like me saying, you know, you know you're not, you know, you're not competing with your neighbor. Um, this is for your future health and for your well-being. That's kind of where I would ask your advice about. There are uh, probably uh, more stories than you can imagine of people pulling up to a gym or a CrossFit gym and sitting in their car for 10 or 15 minutes and then just backing out and leaving. <laughs> and maybe they do it. Maybe they do it many times before they ever walk in the doors. Mm -hmm. And some of them never walk in the doors. And that's you know, that's the, the, those are the sad stories for me because they're so close to making a decision that has the potential to turn the corner for them, whatever that corner might be. I am not uh, someone who's going to say, you need to go to a CrossFit gym. What I'm going to say is find something that you enjoy, that you can do regularly over time to stay active. And if you can integrate that with some sense of community, even better, um, because the combination of those two things is incredibly powerful. Um, fantastic. Thank you. Mom, you want to wrap up with, the, with your quote that you wanted to talk about? Well, um, I think I found a nice succinct one that's successful people use adversity to grow and thrive. And I think that um, some of that's been discussed today. This is uh, another CrossFit guy, Ben Bergeron, probably not the first to say it. And it's been said in many different ways, but um, 
clearly, Brian, you, you show success. You, you commented on some of your adversity and how you've used that um, to grow and to uh, be successful. Um, so I thought that was a nice one. And Sharon, I'll just say real quick um, from my experience. Yeah, I kind of got in before the gym opened. So I'm actually the grandmother or the godmother of the gym, excuse me, not grandmother. Um, and um, I don't do everything that you see people do, but I did notice an immediate difference in my muscles, not immediate, but over a short time in my muscles that I had muscles that I never had before once I started doing some lifting and um, in the CrossFit. And of course, um, for postmenopausal women, doing lifting and weights is key to uh, maintaining the bone health. So um, I just try to say I do CrossFit light. Um, so I don't do everything, but there is something for all ages. And, you know, you find a good gym like, like ours that, um, you know, the coaches are excellent and um, help you help everybody uh, get to their, your own capacity. And I think that's the key. Absolutely. Right answer. Thank you. That, you know, that uh, quote of, of Ben Bergeron's Ben Bergeron was that coach for that fittest woman on earth that I did a podcast with one of my first ever podcasts back in 2018. And it was pretty humbling for me because I used to call Ben Bergeron the Greg Glassman of the East because he's based in New England. Greg, Greg, Greg Glassman is based out in California. But uh, Ben Bergeron has taken some of the best practices, not just from Greg, but from a lot of other leaders in the fitness and um, business world, the mental health world. And he's he's created something that's very special over there at CrossFit New England. And he's shared it on public platforms for many years now. You know, he's coached some high-level athletes. He's taken everyday people and, and turned them into absolute savages in the beast, but he in, in the gym, but he also uh, is very, very proactive in sharing mindset practices, daily discipline, lifestyle stuff that, uh, you know, you don't have to necessarily do everything that he does, but you can pick and choose and find some very um, well-articulated, simple things to integrate into your life that can help maybe help point you in the direction that you want to go. So if you want to uh, check out someone who does that very well, uh, his, his podcasts and book books are a great resource. I love that. I love that. And I appreciate that, you know, letting our, our audience know uh, different resources that they can, you know, go to pursue more knowledge. You know, I just shout out some of yours, you know, if you want to see more of Brian Friend, uh, you know, you can find him on Bar Bend. You can find him on a various different uh, podcasts. Just simply type in Brian Friend uh, on Google and you'll also get his all of his uh, past articles that he's written and um, a lot of CrossFit news. Um, but uh, stay tuned with Brian, you know, keep up with him. Mm -hmm. If you want to learn more about CrossFit, um, you know, reach out to us and uh, we can put you in touch. And, and overall, we just really appreciate your time, Brian. It's been a great conversation. Mm -hmm. Likewise. Thank you for having me on. Mm, thanks, Brian. Thanks, Will. All right. Take care.